You know, if you're doing it correctly, you will always find on your journey at least one person in your life, no matter what season you're in, no matter what status or state in life you're in, one person that can have a tremendous impact. Those of you men and women of purpose listening to this podcast, you, you find ways to be that person in the lives of others. And for that, I applaud you. For me, I have always been fascinated, enamored in awe of how those people have come to be in my career specifically. In all of the twists and turns that my career has taken, I remember the people who have impacted me most and helped me to go to the next level. We all have bosses or we've all had bosses that we don't have very, very nice things to say about. But I am excited because today I get to introduce to my community, not only a a boss, the person who hired me in my current position, but a colleague and a friend and a mentor, someone who truly has helped me through a very, very difficult season, both professionally and personally. She doesn't even know some of the impact that she has had. But when you see the interview, you'll understand exactly why. I am Brandon T. Bailey, and this is Controversy. Allison Carmichael has served in public education over the last 20 years as teacher, assistant principal, and principal. Through her tenure, she has experienced serious work-related stress. And those of us who have been working in education for any extended period of time understand exactly what that means. Uh, In 2017, she began a journey learning about mindfulness for which she has been able to build a skill set experiencing tremendous benefits. As all teachers do, Allison felt compelled to share her learning with others. Second Arrow offers stress reduction strategies specifically to teachers. Allison, now also as Teacher Fit's Mindfulness Director, is a mother of three and a wife. Ladies and gentlemen, T.S. Strong community, please help me welcome a friend, a colleague, and in full disclosure, a supervisor, Allison Carmichael. All right, Allison, I am so grateful you took the time to come and talk to the T.S. Strong community. I want to start the interview off with a mindset check. So in my network marketing days, I was taught to surround yourself with the thinking that outthinks you. So I want to expose my listeners to the way that you think. And since I've gotten to know it a little bit, I'm sure they're excited to hear it, too. So these are a few warm up questions. You ready? Bring it. They won't be hard at all. Like my name. Can we start with my name? (laughs) No, way too easy. First question. 
What motivates you? <laughs> I am motivated um, often by challenge. I don't know why, uh, but when something is difficult, um, I want to overcome that. It's a great and year for that. I am... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why I do mindfulness yeah, is because <laughs> I guess I like to be tortured a little bit, but... Um, I'm, I'm motivated by my kids, my role as a mother, um, my role as a wife. I really appreciate service-oriented um, activities. Um, so attempting to, you know, without being too dramatic or sentimental, you know, leave the place better yeah. um, than where I, when I found it. So. Yeah, yeah, lots of different things depending on the, you know the setting. <laughs> this, depending on the circumstance, I got you. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so so here's a harder one. Do you have fears, and how do you manage them? Yes, I have a lot of fears. Right. Ooh, your name. This is controversial. I, listen, <laughs> I I warned you. the The name of the show exists for a reason. You wait, wait till you hear some of the other guests. <laughs> I was like, my topic is not controversial. <laughs> oh, sure it is. Especially when it comes to faith. We're going to get there. Don't worry. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so my fears, um, you know, I, uh, I really don't, this is a problem for me. I really don't want to let people down. Mm. Um, and that's actually one of the, the things that I fight the most as a school principal um, is that I have to I have to let people down and I can't be all things for everybody. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I have to make decisions for which people some people will like that decision and some people won't. And that's just the way it is. And so you're you're always, you know, kind of letting somebody else down, if you will. So and again, that's we'd have to get a, a therapist in here to figure out where that all came from. But I guess that's probably the biggest thing that I think about it at, at night is, um, am I doing good on behalf of other people? Are, are they uh, happy with my performance? Am I doing uh, enough for the kids? Am I is our school serving our community, um, you know, uh, to the fullest extent that it can? Yeah. Those, I think, are the ones that consume me. I'm afraid of scorpions. Um, I've been in Arizona. <laughs> I have been. Oh, that's right. Wait, she's from Chicago, y'all. So that makes perfect sense. I have to I had to remember that. Like we we didn't know what a scorpion was till we got here. And it's like that <laughs> spider thing with the tail. Yeah, uh, no, and there's no <laughs> camouflage. Like, you, yeah. know, you don't see them in the carpeting and the floor. Um, and I was stung one time um, oh, and no. I was I was fine. I mean, I never I didn't have to go to the hospital or anything, but my leg, it was a 24 hour period of awfulness. Oh. Um, and so now I have like a little trauma, you know, of scorpions. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, um, that's pretty much a nutshell. We can go. I can go on and on. Certain of it, and I warned. I warned everyone in in the introduction. Uh, full disclosure: this is a boss of mine. Okay, <laughs> so I promise you, all of the nice things I am saying are true, and not because I work for her. Okay, <laughs> just throwing it out to the audience before they think I'm just okay. So moving on. Um, <laughs> the next question. I think so. isn't Tom Burton. 
didn't Val. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. See? So now everyone can take it at face value. Perfect. Yes, perfect. <laughs> Mindfulness. There it is. Mindfulness mm-hmm. is a buzzword right now. What does it mean to you? And how do you use it? Yay, yeah. this is Yay. your softball. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. I love it. I love it. Um, mindfulness to me, uh, I'll kind of tell you my definition. I'll go backwards a little bit um, in time. And, and then I'll, 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 you'll have to pause me because as you know, I like to talk a lot. Um, but mindfulness is the intentional focus um, uh, in the present moment um, without uh, passing judgment. And so that can be many things. You could be cooking, um, you could be gardening, but, but it really is about when you're cooking, let's say in this analogy, you would be you know, touching um, your ingredients. You would really feel the weight of the knife as you are prepping your vegetables. And it, it would be in that moment. So anything that had happened earlier in the day, you're no longer ruminating over that while you're cooking. You are right there. You're smelling, um, you know, the, the food as it, it is being prepared and as it being made. I think I'm hungry. So that's yeah. probably driving this analogy yeah. right now. But <laughs> in the present moment, and, and the truth is you wouldn't be passing judgment. So in this kind of silly, very easy analogy um, that that doesn't stretch us very much. But if we were cooking, we wouldn't be like mad at ourselves that we're cooking or mad at ourselves that we are in that present moment or or um, thinking we should be somewhere else. Um, so yeah. that that's a huge well, I should have chopped that of, differently. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, my cubes. Yeah. You know, they're, yeah they're, they're not symmetrical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But honestly, I've got to tell you, it's been a journey for me. And, and the first time I picked up a book on mindfulness, the only book I was really open to was called um, A Book for Skeptics. Uh, it was the 10% Happier book by Dan Harris, who's a Good Morning America anchor. Um, now he's got an app. I mean, this was five years ago when, when I picked that book up or four years ago. And uh, and I kind of, it's it's awful, but I tell my audience that is listening, like I I did pass judgment over the word mindfulness. Um, yeah. I felt like it was kind of a, you know, a wishy, I didn't think it really had meaning, you know, it's kind of a wishy-washy word. I still think that I wish it had a better name, but I also think just that stigma of like, I feel like I'm a very passionate person. I'm very energetic. I, I have too much energy. I'm like a, a, a you know, a, a terrier. If I was a dog, I'd be a terrier. <laughs> like I have too much pent up energy, you know? Um, and I'm like, I don't want to be like Zen all the time, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so I had this, I hate to admit it, but I admit it because I think that would help other people to also um, at least try it and see if it can work for them. Because the truth is over the last four years, I have changed significantly in my behaviors, in my kindness, in my thought process, what's happening in my mind has changed a lot and other people see it. So I know that you and I have only worked together for a couple of years, but if you asked peers that have worked with me since I was a beginning principal, they can tell you that that I've changed. Um, And that's because of the practice of mindfulness. So. I, and you know what? You're not alone in that feeling that it was kind of wishy-washy. Like one of the reasons that that question is is in the show floor is because as a person of faith and, and oftentimes people of faith, mm-hmm. they have a completely different, you know, mm-hmm. it's more associated with 
Buddhism and meditation mm-hmm. in a in a very kind of you were talking about that Zen like in that very kind of Zen way yeah. and people don't really understand like I, I said on a, a couple of other episodes like I teach it to the band and it's about awareness because we all need to become aware of things differently and there's so much positive impact on being able to do that yeah but if people are thinking about it wrong you know they'll they'll completely miss it yeah i actually think that people of faith that it's a potential that there is a category a categorizational thing that's happening and that yeah. mindfulness is, is put almost into a religious box if you will yeah. And yeah. and uh, in our field, working in education, especially public education, obviously we are are not allowed to bridge that, um, you know, religion and, and school. And that's not something that we're allowed to do. Um, and so I do actually hear, you know, in pe- pe- in the mindfulness area and people on Twitter and out there in the world, this um, kind of idea that mindfulness is religious and, and they can't separate that it could not be. Yeah. I do think though, Brandon, I think I come from a, a very active religious family. Uh, my mother was raised Methodist. My father was raised Catholic. Um, and then I attended a Presbyterian church. <laughs> so yeah, it was kind of all over the place um, growing up in a Presbyterian setting. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that it's prayer is is my you know there's a lot of crossover you know because you could call prayer mindfulness you are sending out goodness into the world you are you know meditating on that moment you're meditating on that person you're meditating on that topic you're wishing healing for the world healing for others so i don't think it's not religious but i think that it could also be um like you said brought to a place like a public school where it does not have the same um strings attached and you can just be talking about the science of the brain and what's happening in the brain um and and our kids i'm i'm concerned about our kids and the rise of adhd add lack of concentration the social media that they're growing up with that i didn't have to and having to live through that as an 11 12 13 year old they need these skills you know they need these skills and i think it's a bonus if they're if they're being raised in an also religious world because they're going to get, you know, some skills, they're going to have some practices that they can can go to when they need need it. But if our, our students, you know, are not, then there's maybe nothing that's helping them to learn to be calm in their mind, nothing yeah. that's helping them to figure out how to, like you said, be aware of what's yeah. happening in their mind. Yeah. Now, before I let Allison get into the other segments, y'all, because you see, you see, she well, those of you who listen to the show know she's starting to tap dance into some other areas. So I want to I want to bring I want to bring it back to the last mindset question. (laughs) Tell me a story about failure and how you overcame that. I feel like I fail every day. Yes. Talk about Um, it. Oh, man. Trying to think of a specific (laughs) example. I mean, just so many times. I was a former athlete, so I lost a lot of games. Um, I sat the bench a lot. My dad actually said, uh, you know, so I played softball. That was my the sport I was I was decent at and was thankful, lucky enough to play collegiately. And my dad would say there's center field, there's left field, there's right field. And he would say, I got I got to play left out. 
So, <laughs> ouch. Um, which also is why, you know, things don't hurt me because when. Because that was dad. That was dad. Because <laughs> right? dad was um, like, dad, get over it. it. <laughs> yeah, it's totally fine. I, I rode the pine. So, I have experienced a lot of failure. I think that every day, though, there's moments of man, I wish I would have done that differently. Or I think too, in in our job, we're working with humans and you just really never know what the kids are going to do and and what challenges they're going to bring our way. And then you add parents to that. And so um, (laughs) it's hard to prepare for every scenario. You just can't prepare for every scenario. And so what happens usually is I'll make a decision or make a call. And if I've regretted that decision or call, I, I try to just be a learner and, and, and decide, well, what would have been a better way? Did we, did we use the, you know, you're supposed to use data to make decisions. You're supposed to use the most local person. So let's say if it was something regarding the band, I would want to ask you as the expert, you know, what, what we should do in that area. So it's kind of like I backtrack and say, well, what happened? Let me look at this, try to learn what I need to learn. And then honestly, it probably won't fix whatever had happened. It just helps me prepare for the next scenario that's going to come up. It's almost like you have to just accept that that occurred and move on and, and just better arm yourself for the next challenge. Absolutely. Well, folks, listen, Allison, I I believe that the listeners definitely have a better idea of how you think now. Some of them are starting to take sides. They're like, yeah, this lady's crazy. Or yes, I agree 100 percent. Or some some of them are somewhere lost in the middle. And that's okay. (laughs) So we we just say goodbye to some of our our viewers. (laughs) It was nice to meet you. If if they have lasted this long, I don't think they're going anywhere. You you hear my first couple of episodes. And if I didn't lose people right then, then, you know, it's cool. (laughs) We're going to warm up to the controversial stuff a little bit. The next segment is about faith. So I talk a lot about my journey and the controversy it has caused. But the TS community, uh, I want them to understand your perspective. So let's get into that a bit. You ready? Sure. Yeah, bring it. You started to kind of to hint at this with a very eclectic mix of denominations and and such. But Mm -hmm. tell me your spiritual background and how has your faith impacted who you are today? Yeah, so I really was the kid. We just went to church on Sunday. You know, that's just what you did. Um, So you went to school Monday through Friday and Saturday. We did Saturday stuff. And then Sunday morning, um, we where I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, we uh, I I was in walking distance of my school and my church. Um, So it it was very much a neighborhood. Um, So the, the, the families that went you know, that were on my street that I rode my, I was the paper girl. Um, so I would toss them a newspaper. I would see their kids at the school cause we all went to school together. And then we also all went to church pretty much, you know, together. So very, um, you know, suburban, small town, very safe, very, 
it was a, just a nice, I had a mom that stayed home and raised me and, you know, um, quit her job when she had kids and then went back to work after the kids were out yeah. of the house. And so I, I'm very thankful for that. Um, and I, I, um, I remember when we went from, we moved from Indiana to Illinois when I was, I think in the first grade. So how old are you? Maybe six, uh, maybe five. And I remember actually um, when we moved, my parents took us to a few of the surrounding churches to, they were deciding which one that they wanted to, uh, you know, make as their kind of forever church. And I remember distinctly going to a Catholic church, which my dad was, uh, and still is very Catholic. And I remember the kneeling, I just wasn't accustomed to the traditions yeah. and, and, and what was happening. And I was, yeah, and I was so, um, I was so young too. And it just didn't, I couldn't understand what was going on. And I felt out of place to tell you the truth. I mean, obviously if you go a few weeks in a row, you would start to figure that out. Even as a small child, you see the routines of everything. But um, I remember that being a pretty impactful thing. My grandparents uh, lived into their 80s and 90s, and they were very religious and attended that Methodist church in a small Illinois farming community. And so I, um, I won't, we don't need to get into this, but I lived with my grandpa for a period of time in college. Um, and so I went to every Wednesday, we went to choir practice and they would rope me into singing and I'm a terrible singer, um, but they needed a body, you know? And so they'd say, you're singing with us. And so it was me and a bunch of, you know, 70 year olds and 80 year olds singing in the choir on Sunday, very, you know, the Methodist tunes. Um, and, uh, and so that was part of my upbringing yeah. too so when we would we never really vacationed when i was a kid we would just go to the farm and every sunday every wednesday was choir practice and every sunday was church and then uh you know you kind of grow up and you go to college and that was really hard for me moving out to arizona my one of my best friends who i love dearly went to college with and was uh, lucky to room with here she was Catholic. And so I'd go with her sometimes because uh, we lived together. So I would just attend church with her. But that was a, that's been a struggle for me is finding kind of a, a place. Yeah. Actually, COVID has kind of opened up my mind to maybe you don't need a, you know, to go to the brick and mortar building. Maybe you can do more of the online, you know, go to church online. Um, but right now, my family, we're members of a Methodist church here in Gilbert. <laughs> and uh, and we have been uh, poor attendees. But at the same time, I guess spiritu spiritually, I still I'm still that little girl, you know, that has those ideals. Um, we had neat programs. I, I, I was I was, you know, of course, I was one of the teachers for the Sunday school classes. Naturally. <laughs> yeah, of <course>. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just makes sense. Duh, you know, my my calling was always to be a teacher. But yeah, I was very involved, played music for the church. But then it was just a struggle. I, I felt uh, I didn't I didn't really know what to do when I moved to Arizona. I didn't really know what to where to start. And so I kind of did the same thing. I toured around. Um, but I don't necessarily think that that means I'm less spiritual, but I do find myself longing for the community good. of a church and longing for that. It's just, it makes you feel good when you walk out. Yeah. It's that sermon, it's that pep talk, it's the singing, it's it's the whole event, yeah. you know, that kind of gets you really the same as a mindfulness message about kind of just recentering and the problems 
kind of dissipate and you can be more present and in the moment and thankful and appreciative. But yeah, so I've let it dwindle a little bit and it's kind of sad, but every so often we kind of get ourselves back, yeah, you know? Yeah. And Gotta get back in their routine. I, you know, I actually yeah. relate to that a lot. I mean, obviously, you've known me long enough to know I, I definitely grew up in church and, and, and mm -hmm. religion, spirituality has always been a big part of that. But not only moving to Arizona, but, you know, going through life and mental health issues mm -hmm. and all of that and getting away from it, you do kind of long for those experiences, both the physical experiences, mm -hmm. but also the emotional ones like when when yeah. a good service gets to you there's nothing quite like that feeling you walk out with so i can relate you're like <laughs> i am like how does this person know what's happening to me this week how do they yes. know that i need to hear that i think the other thing and, and it kind of goes back to you asked about what motivates me i've uh, I know we serve in public education. I feel that's a service industry, but um, I still long to to give back. Um, and I think it's it's like built in with a church. Yeah. Like you can you know you can be donating time. You can be donating. You can be you know. And I I think that that's one of the big things that in my being. I would appreciate by by really being more of an involved congregation member than I am right now because it it is just it's a great part of what churches do for the community you know and a bigger community of the world really yeah. so so have you ever have you ever had the experience of kind of losing faith or 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 questioning whether or not the spiritual things that you learned growing up you know were true or not no um but I have had to that conviction had to show up mm. and so there are people that I love in my life that don't have faith that don't believe in um you know a god if you will but they might believe in you know being spiritual or there being something but they're not necessarily believe in a god that are very close to me and I've also had uh, some very good friends suffer trauma and had to watch them go through those phases of, you know, why did this happen to my family? I, I, I'll speak um, very gently about uh, my one of my best friends lost both of her parents to violence. And so she did. She just it was she just kind of lost faith and and kind of had to go through that journey yeah. rebuilding um, and rediscovery yeah. yeah yeah and 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 now she's she has come back um but i watched her go through that so i would confidently say that no that i haven't been pushed to that type of of situation i've been fortunate that my grandparents have have kind of died of natural causes my parents i i, I know you've suffered the loss of your father and um, my parents are living, and so I think that there are some things that maybe I haven't had to face in my life that other people have that that I can see why that has occurred. Mm -hmm. But for me, I guess my conviction has shown up when when I when I stand for what I believe in when people I love, you know, say otherwise. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So so this is another one I think connects to you. The Bible talks about prayer and meditation. Uh, and one of the things I've talked to my guests about is I don't, I don't believe the, the modern church, right, really understands and appreciates the difference between the two and how they both come together. So how would you compare and or contrast these two valuable practices? Yeah, it's funny because I wouldn't never, I would never want to deter someone of faith from thinking that they were the same. You know, I, I really wouldn't, but I would argue that you can meditate um, without having a spiritual event occur. And actually, that's how I met my my meditation is not it, 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 I wish it was spiritual. I wish somebody would. Can somebody come and talk to me and tell me what to do? You haven't been enlightened just, yet, is what you just said. No, no, that'd be lovely. I will continue on though, and maybe oh, one man. day. But I, the, it is just my experience with meditation is so the opposite of of religion um it just is science and i it's really an argument with the thoughts happening in my head mm. and, and it really is about it's about what's happening right here and, and not about you know trying to uh connect or trying to do it is actually really not about trying at all actually i'm trying not to try <laughs> yes. i'm just trying to be calm um you know i guess my you know telling you about my fears that's i'm i'm trying to not be so critical you know i'm i'm trying not to pass so much judgment on myself and so my practice and if i'm just one example of the many people that can have a meditation experience that is not religious i think that that goes to show that that you can have those moments where you really are just uh, it's just about the science of the brain yeah. and we're just trying to calm the thoughts and just calm the mind become more reasonable become more logical now if that were to ever turn into a spiritual event i will tell you and i would not be upset about it i would be excited and and i really don't want to be i really think that the people that can can mesh the two good power to you you know power to you and i, I would pursue that i would never deter anybody from trying to separate meditation from prayer but I would argue that that it can happen. And and that goes back to thinking that these skill, these skills and I think they're skills that you practice yeah. need to be taught in places like public school. And and we would not call them prayer, you know, and right. we would not talk about the spirituality of <laughs> right. it. It would just be, you know, that that very internal practice and, and going back to, again, the power of conscious breathing activities for your nervous system and um, and the power of concentration and focus. And then if a student could learn to harness that and use it also in their religious beliefs, that would be really great. But I do think that you could do them separately. Yeah. All right, folks, Allison has already shared some great insights, but I want to switch gears a bit. All right. So we've talked about faith. Now I want to talk about feelings. And this is often much harder to do. So this is where Brene Brown's teaching on vulnerability really does come in handy. So although uh, this can get a little bit messy, I think it's beneficial for our listeners to really understand. So are you ready to get into feelings a little bit? Sure. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I, all, I, mean, I almost want to tell them how prepared you are for these next couple of questions. 
Should, should I add this to the list of fears from earlier? <laughs> Too late now. <laughs> Tape's running. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm rolling up my sleeves. Let's so, go. What does mental health mean to you? And why should a larger number of people care? Um, because we we don't. We don't care right now. That's the problem is nobody cares. Uh, so you talk about physical health and for some reason we're all talking about dieting and working out and you encourage people to work yeah. out. You encourage, oh, that's great. Go, oh, you're eating better? Oh, right. good for you. Oh, you're choosing, you know, a, a salad for lunch, which is something I've never said, but um, there's support. There is widespread support for seeking physical health. I mean, so I'm, I'm in the midst of a doctoral program and, and honestly, you, you go back in the very first classes on Freud and you know, all of that. There was actually just a, a TV show on Netflix that uh, shows how the Oxford Dictionary was written. I can't remember the name mm. of it right now. Um, and they examine, um, there's a character that is, uh, you know, of that time period in there, you know, he's in an insane asylum and it really goes back to, you know, a hundred years ago or 120 years ago, nobody knew what to do with people that were struggling or having anxiety or panic attacks or uh, post-traumatic stress. And so they locked him up, you know, and I think, I really do think the history of that is hard to move forward from. And so you still have this stigma of if you're not, you know, I, I smile a lot, you know, and, and I think you, I think we all know that even though people smile, they might be battling something right, internally. Exactly. Um, but society's not okay. We're just not okay with saying, you know, I'm having a tough time or I'm struggling with anxiety right now. It's almost like people don't want to hear it. You know, it's like, I don't have time to listen about your anxiety, but the truth is we're, we're all suffering from anxiety just to what level, you know, and to what degree. Um, and, and obviously some days, some weeks, some months are going to be better, but I do, I think that there's a lot of history and I think there's a lot of, you know, you go back to what, a man was supposed to be like back in the fifties or the sixties right. and, you know, all of that I think is part of it. And so I, I do think though, if we can normalize supporting mental health, just like we support physical health, I think that's gonna help all of us yeah. to be better. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So this one this one is where it gets a little interesting, right? I Most folks aren't willing to talk about it. And you kind of hinted at this in, in your, your last answer. But I believe we're all one, maybe two degrees of separation from a mental health complication, right? Um, have you or someone you know had an issue with mental health? Obviously, you know, you don't have to get into two particulars, but have you been close enough to an issue of mental health and how did that get resolved? I've never been diagnosed necessarily, but I absolutely believe I, um, I don't know, I wanna be respectful to anybody suffering from depression um, in saying that I feel like I was depressed, but I, at the same time, I wanna be respectful to anybody who's suffering depression that I, I, I really had a hard time entering um, administration. And I hate to 
to talk about it, Brandon, because I never want to deter. I know that you're an aspiring, you know, school leader. So I want to encourage you to do it while telling you Y'all how see what she doing. hard it was. <laughs> yeah. Like, can we skip this one? And it's great, Brandon. Um, but no, I um, I really struggled with that. I, I think there was a lot to going from my classroom where I had so much control over my world and then going into administration where you have like no control was really a hard thing. Yeah. And, you know, you you just walk in and, and you have no idea what emails are going to be there, what problems are occurring. I mean, it can be so many different things, you know, from the building having a leak to somebody being upset or a teacher uh, um, struggling with something. So I I had a hard time when I entered administration. I, I righted my course uh, mainly with um, physical fitness. And so I got myself back to the gym. I used to be an athlete, so I kind of so I kind of got myself right by by turning to the gym. And then that's when I joined uh, joined our school district and struggled again. And that's when I turned to mindfulness. Yeah, whoo! You and you know what's interesting? Like I I know that you were trying to be careful, but the reality is like depression, anxiety show up in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. In 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 every person and you know i think one of the one of the things that i've tried to accomplish with this show and and with the project is we have to we have to remove some of the stigma so that people will feel more comfortable just dealing with it it's not about comparing your pain to my pain or your frustrate like none of that matters when you're just trying to heal (laughs) you just just trying to be whole I appreciate you saying that, you know, and that's that's the kind of stuff I think I need to hear. And the truth is, I don't tell it to myself. You know, I think we're so self-critical, you know, that inner person inside here is like, don't step on that. You know, don't go. Don't be controversial. Don't go into that territory. And so you're always kind of second guessing yourself. And I think you're totally right. Um, You know, the more that we talk about the fact that we struggle, I have known other peers of mine um, that have been debilitated momentarily for panic attacks. Um, I I know many, many peers that have turned to, you know, doctors and medication for their workplace, their job related anxiety. So, yes, I I feel like I've known numerous people. Um, Actually, probably it would be surprising if we started listing (laughs) all the people who who in just even in my life have suffered like that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so. Here's a good segue because you started kind of hinting at this in, in, in this answer. So mindfulness and therapy, like, let me let me be very clear about how they work together here. But they've taught me to be an observer of feelings and not a slave to them. So it's not always easy, right, to identify those negative feelings. What is your experience with identifying negative feelings and emotions and how do you how do you address them once you've recognized them? Because I know that that's a big part of the mindfulness practice, like learning to kind of not judge the thoughts that are coming to your head. Right. But at some point you got to kind of start to deal with it. So how, how do you how do you deal with that? Okay. <laughs> yep. Uh, I love the question because it's got me like, I'm like all energized. Like I, I have like seven things I want to say all at one time. <laughs> so my pause is like, 
Okay, get these things in order, Allison. Figure out how you want to convey them. This is really what Second Arrow is about. Now, I don't necessarily feel like I'm an expert on therapy, but Second Arrow, the company that I generated just because I was like, oh my gosh, everybody should learn this. Everybody needs to know this. All the teachers that I've talked to that are overwhelmed, we have, you know, so many students in our class. We have so many parents asking a lot of us. We have a lot of initiatives. Yeah. We just, it's just overwhelming. And we work with humans. We're not in an industry, you know, that's, that's pumping out a product. We are working with humans and that makes it automatically a more stressful work environment. Yes. Um, just because and we work with children and we have the relationship with children for an entire year and sometimes years beyond that So it becomes very personal right it becomes very personal So second arrow the parable is a Buddhist parable and it is about uh, that will all suffer pain from life, right? The first arrow is just pain um, And so it happens because we're alive and thank goodness because that means we're alive, right? But we are gonna have to suffer from injury from diagnosis um, this pandemic is an example of a first arrow that we just all have to suffer. And it just, it, but it could also be trivial, like a stubbed toe or, you know, hitting your funny bone. Um, it can also be emotional, like um, a breakup, a divorce, or even the death of a loved yeah. one. So those are first arrows. But the second arrow is how you respond to the first arrow. So I get shot by an arrow and I could be like, what? Who shot me? You know, I'm going to go get revenge or what, how come I just got shot by that arrow and I can be all ruminating about it? And why did this happen to me? And, you know, really internalize and all that. So the second arrow, what, what was just this epiphany for me and, and epiphany enough for me to start a company and, you know, try to, try to spread the word was that I was choosing that second arrow, just like you talked about. Um, and that was like mind blowing to me. First, it was a hard lesson to learn. Cause I was like that, I didn't want to accept that I was choosing to suffer, but I once I realized that my job wasn't causing me stress, that my actions were causing me stress, that's when I realized I can do something about this. And so that's when I really dove into the practice of mindfulness and meditation and went from there. I'll give you a quick analogy that I use um, when I do. So I work for a company called Teacher Fit and I provide them some content. And so one of my job is to provide mindfulness content. And so one of the analogies I use or stories I use or practices I use is called the thought river. Yeah. And um, if you have to practice. So, so I think what you said there is it just can't happen. You have to practice it. It's just like building muscle. You can't just, you know, do one curl and think that you're going to have, you know, strong arms. You have to do this every day. It's got to be part of something you do. But this is such an easy thing, easy way to think about things is you could be just sitting next to a river. So just imagining a river next to you and you just kind of almost like it's tangible, almost like a thought can be held in your hand, no matter what it is. So I have to do the dishes, you know, it doesn't have to be important. Um, but whatever thought is happening in your mind, you just take it out as if it's tangible and you place it into the river. And it's just a, it's just a babbling brook. Brandon it's not a rushing river or anything and you watch the thought float away yeah. and you don't you're not mad about it you know and you're not happy about it because it could be an angry thought you know something that you want to go away or stress that you're carrying but we're not it doesn't make you feel anything you just can watch it and the more that you do that the more you can take those negative thoughts out or those angry thoughts or those self-destructive thoughts right you can take them out and you can say I don't need this I don't need this 
hurting me. This is doing more damage than is necessary. This is not helping me. My, my, uh, I'm a worry wart and, and I'm working on that. But I've realized like, what product does worry, what, what good yes. does that bring what, to the how world? How does it help Where, me? Yes. It, right? It's just damaging. Yeah. It's damaging to me. I worry about everything and is nonsensical. It does not make anything better to, to carry so much worry. So when you start to say you disconnect, you realize you are not the same as your thoughts. You, you are, you, they're happening, but some of them are just automatic branded. Some of them just come, you know, and you can't do anything about it. And, and so if you can kind of disconnect, kind of make them tangible and watch them just wash away. That's one of my favorite, um, visualizations. That's one of my favorite practices, um, to do just that. You all, this, this is why I was excited to get Allison on the show. So I want, I want to make sure everyone sees how uncomfortable she was when we started this segment and then boom, Right. So so here's the deal. Like when I heard the second arrow story, I was like, man, I totally connected to it. One, because I think it makes the practice of mindfulness make more sense. Right. Because it's yeah. about recognizing that second arrow like we do it so quickly. We respond. And it's some, mm -hmm. there's so much to just recognizing, oh, I just responded this way, right? And then yeah. learning to do that non-judgmentally. Oh boy, yeah. that, it, that is work. <laughs> and I talk a lot in the show and to the TS community about the work. And Allison, mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I, you know, when we, we started talking about this a long time before the show actually materialized, I told you there's gotta be some kind of, work together because I think yeah. that what you're doing in that space is going to be so beneficial to people who have trauma in their life and subconsciously they're sending out second arrows, right? Yeah. And teaching yeah. people to learn to recognize it and then start <laughs> sending less yeah. of them. And then before you know it, like like you said, people can see the difference. And I think that's Absolutely. that's what healing is really about. That's what, you know, overcoming the hurt is really about. That's inspirational to hear you say all of that. But that is really true. And and it doesn't I don't even think it has to be that earth shattering. You know, it can be. And I think that's great. But it's also just about like having a, a happier lunch or dr a drive to work that is a more pleasant drive to work. I can't tell you how many times I used to get um, not necessarily road rage, but mad at people on the road. Absolutely. And, you know, <laughs> you know, and it's like, why did they cut me off? It was personal. Hey, don't you know I'm going somewhere and, and don't you know the rules of the road? But that person might just have needed to turn right, yeah. you know, or maybe they're lost or something. And so instead I get all aggravated and then I carry that anger into work and I tell the secretary all about the person that cut me off. You know, it's almost like we just take these things like personally, right? It's that second arrow. So I got cut off. So what? That's its first arrow, right? Yeah. I don't have to make the second arrow stick and linger. And I think if we have those better moments more often that builds a healthier well-being overall absolutely. you know absolutely absolutely well guys allison the ts strong family listen we're, we're all warmed up now uh i want to get to the real real controversy here so this is this is faith and feelings let's bring them all together in this jumbled mess we called life 
when, when I first conceptualized this podcast, it was specifically about mental health. But after talking to some friends and, and kind of throwing the idea around, it really became a bigger, bigger conversation about faith and feelings and the tension that is sometimes experienced between those two things. So this is a controversy I want to shine a light on. Are you still willing to help me out with this? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So prior to COVID-19, the, the pandemic, the church in general, and, and you mentioned this earlier, really everybody, but the church specifically really didn't deal with issues of mental health very much. So what is or what should be the relationship between a faith and the way people feel? In in your opinion, how should they work together? Wow. Yeah, man. Um. <laughs> Wait, see the shirt? <laughs> Controversy. <laughs> Can can all the pastors turn off right now? No, I listen. I am I'm I'm getting them too. Believe me when I tell you. <laughs> I specifically well, gra- gather people from different areas and ask them the same questions so I could poke the bear in it. different. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love the whole thing, and I love. I think you're so brave, and I think like you talked about vulnerability. I'm I'm just very impressed by you and, and the platform that you've taken, and, and couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of this brand. And so I will dive in. <laughs> I will Good answer. Luck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I should have cheated and watched other people's answers <laughs> before. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to answer it, I guess, with my answer, but the only way I know how to answer. And I think it's all of our responsibility. I just do. And I guess it goes back to me being a public school principal. It is my responsibility to help our upcoming kids, our next, you know, generation that's going to help us carry through into the future. It is not only it's our responsibility, you know, to help with the mental health of our children. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the reason I guess I feel so strongly about that and so passionately about that and, and believe because of of what has happened to me, but what I've also seen good happen to others, that it would be the responsibility of the church. What else is there? What else is there if we're not tending to the mental health of our congregation? I mean, I just think that that it's time to it's time to be better for our community. Yeah. And, and this is by far um, the way to go. And, and I, I think that there's ways to do it where it is called prayer. There's ways to do it that meditation is equal to religion. And I think that there's ways to do it where you, you can also do meditation separate from your religion. And I, I think that I would be an example of a person who does that. Um, but I, w- I would say it is the responsibility of our, our community and our leaders are in churches. I, I, I you look up to your, um, your youth pastor, you look up to your, your preacher, your, your pastor, your, we had um, mentors who even when I went to college, would write me letters in college. You know, Billy was my mentor, uh, man and wife. They were both named Billy. How interesting All right. is that? 
my mentor. Um, and I'll never forget that. We are mentors. No matter where we are, we are leaders. And to just say that because we're church going people, we're mentally healthy people um, is not true. So I would expect that we're everybody's taking responsibility for one another and and supporting one another's needs and i i think that the church would be just the same as me as a school principal and working to to help so the question i i have written is really more about the church but because we're in the education space let let me flip it just a little bit so of course, in trying to figure out what I was going to write about for my dissertation, I I kind of leaned on trauma-informed, and because I'm in music education, trauma-informed music education, right? So I, I felt this pull in that direction, obviously because of the work that I'm doing now, right? So do you think that there should be more emphasis, I guess, in, in terms of trauma-informed educational practices like typically i've been asking folks about should there be a ministry in the church right and mm-hmm. i think based mm-hmm. on your previous answer the question would be yes and, and i feel like the answer to this one is yes but w- what should the yeah. schools be doing in order to yeah. better care for the mental health of these kids i had it listen the statistic that said that 50 percent of mental health issues are established by the age of 14 shook yeah. me I was like, wait, yeah. wait, th- those are the kids in front of me now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, that's a crazy statistic. Yeah. <sighs> well, well, I would say that that's yes, we need. And honestly, we need to do better. I think that we do like one training a year, you know, um, maybe for an hour. It's a PD. And meanwhile, I, you and I are lucky to work in a, a K-6, but, you know, we're not ignorant to the fact that there's suicide happening uh, in our community and and, uh, in kids all all across the world or all across the country. And so I guess I'm the type of public school teacher um, who believes that it's our responsibility to teach beyond academics. I I really do. And and we have a, you know, we at our school, we pledge to teach leaders leadership you know that's one of our our things that we pledge to do um and i do i believe in all of that i believe we are to teach right from wrong i believe we're there to teach about being better people and about being better citizens i believe in all of that and so i definitely we're up against a lot of hard things i'm sure that the church is up against similar uh tough things especially financially i'm sure that churches are struggling financially and 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 that plays a part in into why those types of services aren't so accessible right i think that they say that there's really uh you're supposed to have one counselor for every 125 kids or something like that um and we know that we've got over 800 kids and a principal and a counselor and that's that's what we've got and so the responsibility kind of goes back onto the teacher. So absolutely. Um, I also, um, I know I've worked in areas that the majority of students suffered some form of trauma. I taught taught in an area um, in the suburbs here of Arizona, um, where a lot of our students were children of illegal immigrants. Um, and they would tell me their stories of crossing the border, you know, when wow. they were they were little. And now they they would just 
this was ages ago now, but, you know, just hearing these stories and, and thinking of then the, the cushy childhood I had, you know, it just, so I think too, we work in a demographic that is a little bit different, but you think about even the kids that go to our school, there's, they're still struggling. They're still struggling. There's still, we have kids in foster care and so on. But if you think about all the kids in the community and you think kind of bigger and more broadly, yes, we're doing a disservice if we're not recognizing their trauma. Um, And then labeling happens and and we label a kid as, um, you know, acting out um, when they really just don't know how to deal with the the things of their past. Yeah, Yeah, I absolutely do believe that we need to do a better job. And we were uh, lucky enough in um, our district to work with a particular teacher who, unfortunately, his son um, died from suicide, but he then created a bill in Arizona um, requiring the suicide awareness, uh, mental health awareness to be taught in all the high schools in Arizona. So out of that came a very good legislative act, legislative act, but that's just such a start, you know? Um, we're like, I'm just the, we're just, (laughs) yeah, we're just doing like, we're doing stuff, but yes, yes, we need to do more. We definitely need to do more. Yeah. I, you know, it's as I'm reading and stuff for my dissertation, it just kind of like opens my eyes and I'm like, man, we, Mm -hmm. we as educators have so much on us to, to present and we're so Mm -hmm. unprepared for the work Mm -hmm. in front of us. And I think, you know. I just hope that, you know, people like like you, people like me who who really care deeply about this can motivate other people to to make those changes cuz coming out of this pandemic, boy, these kids are going to need it. Like they're just yeah. going to need additional support, but Absolutely. <sighs> Allison, Absolutely. the controversial nature of this conversation means it could go on forever. My guess is the T.S. Strong community will probably stop listening, do other things, you know, find they'll, they'll start cooking, doing that stuff we were talking about at the beginning of the show. I don't know. Um, so unfortunately, I have to transition to close our interview. But as we wrap this up, I want you to consider any parting words of wisdom you may have and any resources you you may want to share with our listeners. So final three questions. You made it to the end. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> You're a good coach. Oh, thank you You're very much. <laughs> you helped me through the whole thing. Um, yeah, I would just say that if you are struggling, if you're somebody who's struggling, uh, we all are. And just because we're smiling or just because, you know, we could get ourselves to work or just because we could get our, you know, the the right and the left shoe on um, doesn't mean we're, we're not also struggling. So know that and let that also give you power to get up and, and to to make the day and to find solace in the fact that we're here for you and you can reach out. Um, I think that that's probably the most important thing. And we're all gonna, pain is gonna happen. Hard things are gonna happen, but you do have the power. And it might be a while. You might have to suffer from grief for a while and that is okay. That That's natural and normal, but you can, when it comes to these 
daily habits, you can find more solace in life. Um, I believe in that. Um, so I'm at second to arrow pretty much anywhere. Um, I'm on Twitter. So at second, the, the number two and then arrow. I'm on Instagram. I would definitely recommend uh, if you're a skeptic like I was, the 10% Happier book by Dan Harris. Excellent book. Um, I'm have- going to link to it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I have a mindfulness for beginners ebook. Um, it's just $10. It's on my website, that, which is also just www.second2arrow.com. Um, but there's a lot, it, it, it's becoming a lot more of a fad, if you will. It's a lot more, it's becoming a little bit more normalized, but I would hope that people don't see it as that fad. They can see it for the, the power that really is in the practice. And, and I'm a walking example of, of somebody who's lived that power. Absolutely. Listen, you, you're the first guest to get all three wrap up questions without me asking the wrap up questions. So thank you very much. <laughs> I was like, well, she, okay. Word of guidance, check. Uh, books and research, check. Uh, anything support, check. Okay, cool. My work here is done. I, I think she just made it look like I don't really need to interview. It's all good. She got this. I prepared everybody. <laughs> I prepared. Allison, thank you so much. I appreciate your time, your energy, your wisdom. I believe our listeners are going to do the same. And I'll see you at work. <laughs> all right. And I right back at you, right back at you. Yeah, you better have your lesson plans in, buddy. Uh. Just- <laughs> <laughs> trauma survivors, trauma supporters. To all of you, my T.S. Strong community, first and foremost, let me say thank you for checking out another episode of Controversy Podcast. I don't know if you are checking out the show for the first time today or if you are a return listener. Either way, thank you for the time, the energy and the effort to listen to the content that we really believe supports our efforts to help the world live T.S. Strong. I do have a request for all of you if you enjoyed the show or if you think it was absolutely terrible either way i'm asking you to subscribe rate and review give us an honest and a helpful review of course if you think the show was amazing we will take a five-star review but no matter wherever you get your podcast please subscribe help us to get the word and the message of the controversy project out to the masses in addition I'd like to invite you to the Controversy Project Facebook page, A Safe Place. A Safe Place is a free and exclusive community for trauma survivors and trauma supporters to gather together and share testimonies, resources, and support as we all endeavor to live TS strong. I want to invite you to come and be a part of the group and see what all the excitement about this incredible message as we endeavor to promote mental health strategies, resources, and support for people who have endured and are enduring trauma in this important time. Don't forget to check out any books or resources mentioned in today's episode. We will have direct links inside of the show notes page. So if you found something interesting today that you would like to take some time to take a look at, visit BrandonTBailey.com. Visit the show notes page for this episode and you will find a direct link to the resource of your choice. And finally, I'd like to remind you, as always, in closing... 
how important it is for you to confront your pain, how important it is for you to live your purpose, and how important it is for you to invest in your project. Let's get to work, everybody. Until next time, peace.